this morning. And I'm going to break it up into three sections. And so we'll read those sections as we come upon them. Whenever you get out of sync in life, coaches will always tell you, if you're an athlete and you used to run a certain way, and all of a sudden you're not running a certain way, you're, you're slower than you used to be, they usually take you back and tell you to practice the basics. So let's get the basics right again. And then you start up and you start to improve. In everything in life, if you'll just do the basics right, usually the rest of it falls into place because you've got a foundation to work from. Now, I'm not a cook, but I love people who do cook. (laughs) Okay? But my daughter-in-law that lives with us now, she loves to cook. And Cindy and I are getting spoiled more by the day because she loves to cook. So every, every night at dinner time, there's an assumption now in the Phillips compound that Amy's going to go in the kitchen and fix dinner. And I keep looking over at Cindy, and she keeps looking over at me, and I keep looking at Amy, and she's not moving yet. And then I'll pop up and make this wise old statement. Hey, baby, what's for dinner? See, baby's a generic term, right? Amen. I'm losing my crowd fast here. What's that deal? <laughs> my point behind that is, is that I'm growing to love my daughter-in-law more than I ever have. Because she's willing to, and she, she told us when they first began to live with us. Um, she said, you know, I really enjoy this. This is my release Mechanism to clean the house and to do all that. Cindy and I both looked at each other and thought, we'd die and go on to heaven. It's awesome. And she is a hardworking young lady. And uh, those two boys that she has are just so full of life and um, full of other things too. But anyway, that's beside the point. But basics in our walk with God has to start with the foundation of what this chapter deals with. Many have called this chapter the love chapter of the Bible. Because in its 13 verses, first 13 verses, Paul deals with the characteristics and the description of what love really is. You see this in weddings a lot. I mean, it's, it's just a passage that ends up being, especially verses uh, 3, 4, and, and on. Love is patient, love is kind. Yeah, those, those are great verses. I sometimes wonder if we don't just gloss them over, though, and we don't really think about what they're really meaning. But it defines love. This chapter does. And love is an action. If you say, I love you, there has to be actions behind the words. Amen? Okay, I'll wait. I know that's a heavy... heavy 
action. I know some of you haven't, uh, you've heard the word I love you, but you don't see action behind it. Man, you guys are rough today. This is awesome. So let's launch in here. Verses 1 through 3. I want you to see that love is essential. Let's read it together. Your, your version might be a little different. This is NIV. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am only as a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I may remember the old uh, TV show, uh, Tool Time. Tim, the tool man, Taylor. Happened to catch one of the reruns the other day. Mark likes to watch those. We were watching it, and he and Al, Al is his sidekick, they were... Uh, demonstrating uh, alarm clocks. Tim was on the top bunk and Al was on the bottom bunk. And so there was a certain type of alarm that you would sound if, you know, you were a light sleeper, you know, you pushed a button and it made this little sound. There was another one that it was a, a guy's face came in this rubber piece and started yelling, Get up! What's wrong with Real obnoxious type thing. And then... Uh, Tim said, and then there's the fallout shelter that will help you immensely get out of bed. And he pushes the button and the top bunk lowers down and takes Al out of the picture and completely covers him up while it's uh, acting like a bomb is going off. Anyway, it's just kind of a fun thing. But, uh, but how much love is there? And how much, how much love does Tim have for, for Al? He's always making fun of him, always ridiculing him. Always putting him down. But yet, love is essential, it says here. Clanging cymbals. An untimely gong. If you don't love people, what good is it that you can expound spiritual gifts? And he says, speak with tongues of men and of angels. But you don't love people. What good is it? What good is it? Language without love is unacceptable. I've got a Peanuts cartoon strip I want you to take a look at. Uh, it says, you are a doctor. Ha! Linus, or, or Lucy says, that's a, that's a big laugh. You can never, I can't read that far, you can never be a doctor. You know why? Because you don't, uh, you don't love mankind. That's why. And Linus' answer is, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. It's true. But we can talk about love. But is there any action behind the words that can prove that? It's been said that the greatest... Example of love is when you're willing to lay down your life for a brother. And I say the greatest example of love is if you're willing to lay down your life for somebody that's not your brother. 
Wow. I read a, a little post this morning on Facebook in my devotional time. And it was a, a soldier back in, I think it was the Civil War. It was a black gentleman. And he uh, was being, uh, he had been shot and wounded. And the whole purpose of him being in the line of fire was that they were trying to take down the American flag. And he refused to let that flag ever touch the ground. So he ran out in the midst of the fire to make sure that that flag wasn't desecrated in his opinion. Isn't that awesome? What a great story that is. I don't think I ever read that in the history books. But we should. We should see that. How many spiritual sacrifices have been made on your behalf and on my behalf? Time after time after time again. You know, uh, President Trump did his uh, first kickoff thing for 2020 in Orlando. I I mean, it drew a crowd, okay. What I was impressed with was the fact that they opened the, the whole night with a prayer publicly over the loudspeaker calling the name of Jesus to save our country and I thought boy that's a refreshment to hear somebody at least pray that prayer and focus that direction because there's really no hope in politicians you know that I know that but our hope is in the Lord amen that's where it's at. Always has been. I don't have to worry about who's in, on the throne in Washington. I've always got to be more concerned about who's on the throne of my heart. And that's where Jesus ought to be. But language of that love is unacceptable. Love is better than talk, verse 1 says. It's what we do rather than what we say. Verse 2 tells us that learning without love is unapprovable. I read this this week and it kind of still, still kind of wrestling with it. But it, it said this, love is greater than wisdom. I stop and think about that a minute. Wisdom is a pretty powerful tool in the hands of God. It says if you don't have it, ask for it and he'll give it to you. Okay? But if you stop and think about it, mom's exercise Love, at times, over wisdom. Dads, eh, not so much. Dads are, I'll kill him today. Moms are, well, let's let him live for another day. Got it. My same daughter-in-law, just a week or so ago, was walking through the living room, muttering under her breath, I think I should just try to sell these two children. I just, yeah. In fact, we have we still have a check in Mark's baby book that a couple wrote us in Denver for ten thousand dollars because they wanted that boy because they couldn't have children. And there were days, there were days when that check looked good. We could go cash that check, baby. No, I wouldn't trade him for anything. There's no amount of money, would you? On the backside of it, there's no amount of money. 
At the moment, yes. What is the animal that eats its own young? I don't oh, no, it's the, the wife eats the husband. And after, yeah, never mind. Let's go on to verse 3. Verse 3. <laughs> Lending without love is unrewardable. Unrewardable. You're not going to get it back. If you're expecting something back, just lend it. What have I told you about giving? What have I told you about helping other people? If you can't afford to just give it to them without any strings attached, don't get involved in the transaction. If a guy comes to you and says, can I borrow $100? Say, no, you can't. And they'll him haul around. Just simply say, however, I will give it to you. I will gift it to you. Now, if you can't do that, if it's going to affect your bottom line in your household, just don't even enter in the transaction. Just simply say, I don't have it. I don't have it. Sorry. And, and be legitimate about it, okay? And it doesn't matter the amount that they're asking to borrow. Doesn't it ever bother you that they come up and say, okay, I want to borrow this? And you give it to them. And they never show any intention to pay it back, quote unquote. (laughs) So it's easier just to never get there. Love will just do it in a way that I don't have to measure that. Here you go. God's blessed me. Let me be in turn a blessing to you. You see see how that changes the whole equation? God's blessed me. Now let me be a blessing to you. Let me just... Well, they call it pay forward, that blessing. You know, God's blessed me, let me pay forward a little bit. Yeah. When you approach it that way, it makes that love aspect so much easier to grasp. Because I've got a measurable action behind it. All right. So love is essential. Now let's look at verses 4 through 7. I want to see how love is expressive. Verses 4 through 7. Love is patient, is kind. Does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 4 tells us, That love possesses certain attributes. What are they in verse 4? Patience. Kindness. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. Is not proud. There is no one more proud and displays that pride than a parent when a child does something good. Amen? Flip the coin. When the child does something not so good, how's the parent's response? I'll be within an inch of their life. No. Yeah, Jace looks very abused back there. Yeah, beat him. Wasn't a hurry. But those attributes are so critical in every relationship. Work. Driving, eating, 
just church, those are tremendous attributes to possess. Love is expressive that it possesses certain attributes. And in verse 5, it performs certain actions. Let's see what actions it talks about in verse 5. Not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Well, that's a tough one. Because our memories, we don't forget things. Somebody hurt you. By golly, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm going to get you. Isn't that the spirit kind of behind that? But love would say, yeah. Husbands and wives do this to each other all the time. Wives go to bed at night thinking, why did I choose this one? And love keeps them in the relationship. One of you messes up. Does something stupid and you shouldn't do it. Not that any of you have experienced that at all. Love keeps that together, doesn't it? I love the story of the gentleman whose wife was dying. It seemed like CBS, one of those good-natured reports came out with it. But every day he would go quite a distance to see her in the nursing home. Every day. I'm familiar with the story. It was a black gentleman. He, every day. He'd walk a certain way, ride the bus the rest of the way. Every day would see her. I love the story of John Wooten, a famous basketball coach from UCLA. His wife passed away. He wrote a love letter to her every week. And he still did after she passed. He would, her bed stayed the same, the side of her bed. Under the pillow was letter after letter after letter after letter after letter that he wrote her, even though she was not there anymore. He still wrote the letters to her. That's love. Love is when you can't and the other one does. Hard thing to learn, isn't it? It's a hard thing to receive. And yet, if you think about God's love for us, that's the way it is. What we couldn't do, He did through His Son, Jesus Christ, in our own life. And it, just, it just amazes me. So love is expressive. It has certain attributes. It has certain actions. Then verses 6 and 7, it portrays certain attitudes. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. What did your mother always tell you? Tell me the truth. You're going to be punished, but if you're going to be punished more, if you don't tell me the truth. And nine times out of ten, if you told them the truth, you got a little bit of trouble. But it wasn't nearly as severe 
as if you hadn't told them. If you lied to them, then what happened? You might as well beg for death, yeah. Now, that's back in a generation when I was being raised. Nowadays, good luck. One of the, you know, Facebook, for all of its faults, it still produces stories or lets people put stories on there that just warm your heart. And one I saw last week that just did for me is this kid came out of the dugout. It's a baseball game, actually a softball game, and he couldn't walk very well. And he gets up to bat. Pitcher comes in off the mound closer and throws it. It was baseball because he throws it underhand. And the kid could barely swing because he didn't have any good legs to stand on. And he's down to strike two and he's ready to be out. He throws that ball one more time. Little boy hits it. Rolls down to a first base. Man, he takes off as fast as he can. And you're, you're hurting watching him try to get to first base. He gets to first base. The opposing team on the field rushes to first base. Then the boys team comes out. Then the bench from the other side. It was amazing. I love that kind of story, don't you? There's hope. There's hope that kids are getting it from parents who are also getting it. I've had enough of this other garbage I have to watch. Kids beating each other and yelling at each other and screaming at each other and cussing at parents. Don't you just want to go and grab that kid and pinch their head off? When they're talking to their parents that way? Better than that, I want to grab the parent and pinch their head off for letting them do it. That's what's wrong with us today. But all of that, we've got to get back to the basics of love, don't we? We've got to get back there. What are you going to do with love? What are you going to do with it? Man. So love is expressive. Love is essential. And then finally, verses 8 through 13, love is eternal. Let's look. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. We live right now between the resurrection and the return. After His return, there will be no need for spiritual gifts. Have you thought about that? It's been a sermon I've worked on for a long time. I'm almost, I say I'm almost done. I, just about the time I say that, I don't. But I'm not. But the title is, One thing you can't do in heaven. 
See, the problem is I keep finding more things than just one. One thing that you can't do in heaven. And you know what the one thing is that's more important than anything else in the world? Is that there's not going to be any time left for you to accept Christ as your Savior. Once you go to heaven, once you die, your destiny is set. Your eternity is established. Wouldn't it be prudent of you to return to the basics, let love permeate, which he says in verse 13, is the greatest gift of faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest gift because it drives hope, which in turn increases faith. Wow, look how they work. How do you stay married to the same person for more than 20 minutes? <laughs> Faith, hope, and love. You start having children. All your resources are gone. It's like a vacuum. Sucks them up. <laughs> gone. They're called children. They're called diapers. <laughs> Formula. I've got two grandsons. Man, they love to eat. That little one, Timothy, man, that dude, both hands. <laughs> He's something else. This boy after my own heart right there. But stop and consider where you are right now in your life. Is love the most important part of what you do for Christ? Or have you let that kind of get to a back burner? Hey, let's bring it back to the other side. And do the best thing that you can ever hope to do for your children or grandchildren, and that's lead them to Jesus Christ. That's more important than what college they're going to go to. It's more important whether they're going to get a full-ride scholarship to a college. It's more important than if they're going to play in the NBA or the AB or the uh, NFL or Major League Baseball. All, that, all that's immaterial. Except for knowing Christ is their Savior. For every million dollar athlete there is, can you imagine the amount of preachers we could put on the street for the amount of money that LeBron James makes in one day? I think he's up at 20 million a week now. Something like it's an astronomical number. I'm just going, you know, I know the old boy struggling at twenty something million a week. I mean, come on. Of course he only gets paid during the season, right? He's got to make the rest of it stretch out for the other months. Well, okay. Sorry about that. Kyler Murray, what did he get for being the number one draft pick? Anybody know? Out of Oklahoma? As quarterback, he's it's got to be twenty million or more. He's eighteen years old, nineteen years old. How old is he? Twenty-two, maybe. Crazy money, kind of money most of you guys made when you was twenty-two. Yeah, you you had the two in yours, but it wasn't didn't have a whole lot of zeros after it. I got it. 
I don't know why I've drifted off there, but love. Love is so critical. Let love permeate your life. Let love draw you to the cross. Let love be what drives you to do what you do. I want to give you a chance to respond to that love that died on the cross for you, rose from the grave on the third day. We're going to pray, sing our song of invitation. If God's tugging at your heart to respond, would you this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. And just pray a blessing upon everyone here. That God, you'll permeate our lives. That we will get back to the basics of why you've called us. And that is to love people with an agape love. With an unconditional love that doesn't hold any strings. We love people because you loved us. We start there. We need to look in our families. We need to look at our children. We need to look at our spouses, our employers, our employees, our friends, our acquaintances, our relatives. God, there's so many ways that we need to practice this concept of love. Would you help us to do it? Because we can't without you. Maybe there's somebody here today, just one, who would say to you, Lord, you know, I've just kind of taken my eyes off of the cross and my eyes off of you. I need to get them back squared there. Start there. And when we gain that appreciation for what you did for us at Calvary, then we in turn can turn and share that with others. Father, I pray you'll give us that wisdom and insight and courage. But if there's one today that might need to make a public declaration of that, if so, would you give them courage to do it? In Jesus' name, amen.